0: Hello and welcome to Making It, the podcast about making theatre and making it as an artist. I'm your host, Temmie Wilkie, and each week I'll be chatting to an emerging playwright, theatre maker or theatre company about how they make theatre, why they make theatre and what they do to survive. I am so gassed to welcome Yasmin Joseph to the podcast today. She is an alumna of the Soho Theatre Writers Lab and a recent member of the Theatre 503.5. Her debut play, Juve, opened at Theatre 503 this year and had an incredibly successful sellout run. Like many of us, I did not book ahead and nearly missed out on seeing it, but I trekked down to Battersea to queue for returns and I'm so glad that I did. Juve follows a day in the life of three young women at Notting Hill Carnival. Yasmin has written a play that is so rich and so nuanced and sheds new light on a part of black British culture that feels so familiar. It weaves black spirituality through with black resistance. It interrogates misogyny while celebrating sisterhood and in the shadow of the site of Grenfell pays a really moving tribute to the tragedy in such a brave way that I'm getting a bit emotional. Um, I just think that, yeah, I just think Yasmin's amazing. And I think theater is at its best when it moves you and it really moved me. As you can see, Um, it's, so powerful when an audience feels really alive to theater and i wasn't just crying i was like dancing in my seat i was like laughing like raucously and i was shouting out from the back of the theater so I'm so pleased to welcome you to the podcast. I'm so sorry that I got so emotional. Oh no, don't Wait, you
1: nearly set me off was when I hold back. That's I lovely. Just,
0: yeah, even just like thinking about it like Aww. sets me off. So yeah, I'm just Thank really you. pleased to have you.
1: I'm so happy to be here.
0: Thanks for writing something so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, I could probably talk about Juve all day, but... As I've said, this Mm -hmm. podcast is more about thinking about you as a writer and how you started and what your process is like. Mm -hmm. So the first question I'd like to ask you is how you got into theatre?
1: So it started when I was really young. Um, There was this place called WAC in Camden. I think it's still going. Mm. Um, It is still going. Weekend Arts College. And it was like heavily subsidised arts classes. Mm. So it just meant that I could... Just experiment. Like, I didn't have to be hooked to one particular form. Mm. So for one pound a class, if you gave up guitar after three weeks, <laughs> one would be last one. Wow. You know what I mean? And it just basically meant that, like, we had so many opportunities that were accessible to us because of that price that like my sister went on to, like, go to the Royal Academy of Dance and wow. do ballet and jazz and contemporary and tap, all for, like, a quid a class. Wow. And then I did drama, and I did loads of different subjects, but drama was the one that stuck. Mm. And, um, yeah, off the back of that, I went to... Anna Share that then became the Young Actors Theatre. Mm-hmm. I like it was the one thing that like was always the top mark on my grade at, like at school. So <laughs> it's just and then yeah, I went on to study at uni and I like, used to be really interested in performing. Mm. And then by the time I got to uni, it just sucked the life out of it for me. I was <laughs> like, I hate how they grade this. Mm. Can I swear, by the way? Yeah, okay, but good. I mean,
0: I do a okay. lot. <laughs> You'll see, I do a lot.
1: <laughs> I don't want to now, but I just want to know. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, I just I just stopped enjoying it. Mm. And then I started looking at the work we were looking at and like, can I see myself in this? I would like to see myself in this. Mm. And then it just, it just, I did a 360 or a 180 at uni and then just became all about writing, I just, yeah, pulled back on all of my performance modules, made sure I was just burying my head in as many plays as I could. Mm. And then off the back of that, I still didn't necessarily see myself as a writer. Mm. I was doing that thing that everybody who does an arts degree does, which is like, how the hell do I get a job with this fucking (laughs) degree? Like, who (laughs) wants it? Do you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah, just trying to work my way around different theatres, seeing where I fit. Mm. And then gradually, once I started to work in places that were like venues for new writing, I just Mm. became immersed in those stories and like developed a bit of a process for how I unpack text and Mm. it then informed how I write. And then I did Soho Writers Lab and yeah, that was like the first place I got treated as an artist and, Mm. and wrote my first play that I shared with the world um, with the world probably like four people mm. um, it wasn't very good but like <laughs> was it, it a short play or a it like it was a full play, play. well yeah. no I actually got to consider for Alva Fagan it wasn't that bad yeah but like I would long, never, listed. I w- long, list, long listed long listed <laughs> yes <laughs> I would never want anyone to <laughs> do it now but like it was like, okay I have something that not just I care about like yeah. other people see something in this too and then off the back of that, yeah, just just kept going. I did, I went to... I feel
0: like you're, like, racing ahead, and I want to, like... Yeah, all right, stop me, because I, no, I just talk. I'm, in, I'm <laughs> intrigued about, like, the kind of... pro The, the, the switch from, like, uh, being interested in acting to, like, writing. Mm. And I'm just, like, wondering... Because, like, about, like, being graded. Yeah. Like... What, what was the process of grading? Like, how did they decide what you're graded on? And like, w- why did that feel like that was the kind of thing that like may, meant you'd be like, actually, I don't want to do this. Like,
1: It was weird, man. Like, I, I primarily the thing that I was struggling with was that I don't know what they're looking for. Mm. Um, there was one module, I think it was called something like Space Body Spectator, right? Ooh. Already the name of that module, I was like, I'm not <laughs> sure if that's a cup <laughs> Can you say it again? <laughs> Space Body Spectator. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it was it was great. But from the outside looking in, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> I remember seeing like some of my friends in the hallway, like with bags of nuts, like pinning them on the wall and scaling the walls. And I'm like, is everything what? all right? And they're like, no, don't talk an exam and I'm like, what? Nuts! And it was they were pinning nuts. <laughs> like bags of seeds and things, and they were like literally scaling the walls, right? But was this a drama exercise? I'm so confused. What do you mean? Apparently so. <laughs> so this was about how they occupied space, right? And like, you know, and but literally people are like, can you fucking move? I'm trying to get to my lecture. <laughs> like, I was like, nah. And I just, I just thought this. It felt disingenuous. It was like, all right, I'm, I am meant to perform the idea of of performing rather than Mm. actually just feeling what I'm doing and enjoying it Mm. and yeah I just it just it stopped being fun Mm. it's really interesting for you to sort of say that like
0: acting you 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 lost interest in acting mm. before you came to writing yeah I feel like uh, speaking personally like I'm I still consider myself an actor almost first like because Mm. I'm so it's such a big part of myself and so for lots of people I feel like they kind of go in tandem or like you you never wrote Whereas yeah. for you to have been an actor and then leave it before you even called yourself an actor, uh, writer, I find mm. really interesting.
1: Yeah, I've always, I've always written as mm. a child. It was like something I found a lot of comfort in because mm. I've always, I, I'm someone who's prone to sometimes saying the wrong thing in the moment. <laughs> I don't have the best head to mouth mm. filter, which, which works in my favour sometimes because it's just like what you see is what you get. But mm. um, I loved that with writing, I could go away and perfect what I wanted, what I needed mm. to say and make sure that it was really clear and then come back and be like, you know if i if i was upset as a child i would write it down and i would yeah. show it to people and be like this is this is what's happened yeah, can we yeah, talk yeah. about this like, <laughs> this
0: is how you've upset me yeah
1: so like it was always there even even before i i knew how much i enjoyed performing mm. but interestingly performing doesn't feel like something that's a part of me anymore like mm. when i used to perform i my confidence was just different like mm. i could go into uni and give like a like give a talk for mm. as part of my module on something I hadn't read and just blag it. Like, <laughs> and now if I have to talk to like four people and I'm like, I like, find my hand shaking. Mm. It's, it's getting better now. Mm. But yeah, performing just feels like something that I'm sure it, it, it was there. It's still there. Someone yeah. tapped hard enough. Yeah, it's just it's it no, one's yeah. <laughs> no one's tapping. Yeah, no one's tapping. let them tap tap <laughs>
0: <laughs> So that's interesting that you feel like you've always written. Like, what were you writing? Like, were you writing plays from the get-go? Were you like mm. writing poetry? Like, what kind of to thing you writing? Poems. Yeah, I was
1: writing poems. I remember my first poem. So there was this anthology they were doing in Northwest London, and it was something like Young Voices of Northwest London, and all these kids in Camden basically had to write little poems, mm. and then. A few of them got picked to go, um to get published and i was six and mine got published now. I was oh my like, God, yes. how old were no? you? I was like six, yeah.
0: And it You was, were six years old. I can't
1: find the book. But I've, I, I I I saw that they're selling it. I think they're still selling it somewhere on Amazon. It's like it's a long wait for you to get it. But I really, <laughs> really, really want to get it. And yeah. it was a um, it was was it called? My seashell. And it was like mm. It was basically about being in Dominica, where my family's from, mm. and like mm. listening to a seashell and hearing the sea and how amazing that is. Mm. But then like, I'm not to just project loads onto it, but <laughs> I think it was, it was like a really interesting, it, it did, it stands out to me now as a way of me processing, because it's that idea of having like two homes and how you mm. reconcile with that and like telling all your friends about like what you've done in the <laughs> summer and they're like, we went to Butlins and I'm like, yeah, Butlins is lit, but they don't <laughs> get that like I have a home somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And that was my way of of, I don't know, just, like, expressing that. And mm. my mum was always pushing me to to do that because she knew, I, yeah, I found comfort in it.
0: Mm. Wait, so how much did you go to Dominica, like, when you are going? So up?
1: my mum's from Dominica, Jamaica. My dad's from St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dominica's where we have a family home. So, right. like, we spent, I spent a lot more time there than I did on other islands, although mm. I, I know them pretty well. Yeah. Um, but Dominica was, like, summers, eight weeks, every mm. year, like... Probably I could get the bus around Dominica on my own by the time I was like twelve. Wow! Have to and my mum used to make sure we had the authentic experience. She ain't putting on cable because she knows that we get the American channels and we won't leave the house. Mm. Like she made that mistake one summer. She was like, "No, refuse to get a washing machine. Like wash your clothes by hand. Pick fruit to make your juice. Mm. Like the realistic experience." But yeah. yeah, I value it. Like it's it's like in my skin now. Mm. And did you go to the theater much when you were growing up? Yeah, I did actually, I did. I used to go to the, when it was the tricycle with my Mm. dad a lot. Mm. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up in Camden. Okay. Um, But I used to spend weekends with my dad. So I was with my dad every other weekend and we had like this sort of ritual where we'd go to the tricycle and we'd watch. It used to be like, I remember we saw a lot of puppetry. (gasps) And it w- it was so cool because regardless if it was like was the same run, I'd still see the same show like twice in a month with him because it was just what we did that we <laughs> went to. <those>. <laughs> regardless <laughs> of whether you've seen yeah, it before, just, it's like we, just, we are go, going to theater. I love that. And then we'd go to the Pizza Hut on the road, then we pick a pastry up and we'd go mm-hmm. and watch a film, we'd have the pastry before we went to bed. That was just the weekend. So that's lovely. But yeah, and no, that was that was like my first introduction to theatre. And then of course the 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 drama that I was doing mm. as well at home at work. So
0: was your dad like really into theatre? Like why was it like that The going to the theatre was a the thing that you did?
1: Honestly, my dad's always, my parents are both very creative in their own mm. ways. Like my mum's an amazing visual artist. Like mm. she's, she's a deputy head of a school now and she used to teach art, but mm. she's always been big on us just having something to do mm. that just like, I don't know, unlocking that parts of our, that part of our brains. Um, and my dad was the same, but in a very different way. He's the one to kind of bring you to, to shows and things like that. Mm. I think actually he had a girlfriend that worked in theatre at time, so that might that might <laughs> that might have had a little that might have been an incentive. But yeah. generally speaking, like yeah, he just wanted to wanted me to see whatever I could. Do you mm. know what I mean? Get the best of the world. And when you were watching
0: those shows, like because obviously you were you were finding drama in your own way as well mm. like um with whack. is that what's yeah, the whack. yeah whack. i thought so cuz i can see the logo yeah. in my mind <laughs> um yeah so you're finding your, your own way but also seeing theater like did mm. you feel like w- what's a like play that stands out to you that you saw in that period of time like and did oh, it do you feel gosh. like it impacted you in any way
1: yeah i can't think of a play that i saw when i was that age because it was so long ago mm. um But I remember puppetry being Mm. something that was really interesting to me because it was just, yeah, even as a child, it was just seeing how people were able to like lock you in with just with their hands and their Mm. voices. And then knowing that that was something I could go home and do on my own too. It was Mm. just like, oh, this is like, you can take this home. This doesn't have to just exist in this room. Right. I can, I can make this too, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I wasn't like some child prodigy, like, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something interesting about, like, Mm.
0: you honing in on a thing that's accessible. Like, Mm. because, like, if later sort of when you were at uni and thinking about drama like it not like as a writer it not feeling accessible there's that's maybe something quite interesting there
1: exactly because like when you when you when I started going to college and uni and you go to the national and stuff and you see these big productions mm. I used to love being immersed in that experience but yeah. for whatever reason I was like god I could I couldn't do that yeah. it just feels huge yeah, yeah yeah but there's something about yeah the seeing drama that you can you can create yourself or seeing yeah. things that you can do on your own, you're like, oh, okay, this is, this is something I can do, but which is really interesting now, because it's like that, that amazing thing in life where like, oh, I go to the National now and I see my friend, Rebecca, yeah. in a play like in nine out and I'm like, these are the places that used to seem like a, far away, exactly, yeah. and now, when I'm engaging in, in, in work, it's like my friends are in it, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like shoulder to shoulder with the artists that are like, yeah shaping the industry right now which is mental yeah it's funny so when i
0: started writing because i feel like i felt a really similar way it's like Mm. i can't do that like what um and i I was in the royal court writers group and they one of the best sessions was they had somebody who um wrote on the good immigrant um Mm. and he came in and he talked to us about how um like so like 97 percent of children's books or something mad like that have white characters like there's Mm. no like characters of color in like children's books so even from a young age like you don't believe that stories can be about you yeah and you know when you just like sit I was just sat in that room like oh my god like it felt like this huge like therapy epiphany moment where it's like that's why I've struggled to write for so long that's why mm. I didn't feel like I could do this like and I like I feel like women may maybe growing up in a generation where like maybe that won't feel so far away from young
1: people yeah, yeah and I think actually I was quite lucky in that my my dad and my mom like they were on it. Like, mm. if I wanted a Barbie, my dad would be like, let's find the black one. And mm. I'm like, bro, like, I want the one that my <laughs> friends would Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 this Toys R Us don't have it. Let's go. And I'm like, And, like, he used to go ham for that stuff Mm, and make mm. sure that we went to the black bookshops and whatever else. But you still do, it still is a process, particularly when you get older Mm. and you look at how work is categorised and, like, the work that's held to a certain esteem at school and then Mm. the work that's like, oh, we're doing this in October. Mm. And you're like, oh, okay, so where do I fit? And it is Mm. a process to be like, okay, my stories are told maybe differently to Mm. how these stories are told, but they're just as valid. Yeah. And, yeah, that does, that's a, it's a great moment when that clicks.
0: Yeah. Um... Cause it's a release. It's like, yeah, yeah my voice is important. Yeah, um,
1: but it clicks and unclicks, isn't it? Cause yeah. like, sometimes you yeah. have your days where you're like, yeah. And then Imposter sometimes, you, yeah, exactly. You internalize that junk Yeah, and you question yourself. Mm. Mm.
0: I'm wondering like now that you've started, cause you talked about Soho Writers like Lab. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit more about that? Like, cause you were sort of saying that's the first moment where you like had that feeling of I am a writer, I am an artist. Like what was that like and how did you come yeah. to it as well?
1: So her writer's life came at just the right time because mm. it was like when I think this is the period of time I told you after graduating when no one wanted my degree. I'm telling <laughs> you that they were like, uh, you are not qualified enough to be a box office assistant. I'm like, bro, this is like what? three years, 30 grand. How are you telling me this? <laughs> um So yeah, I did this whole thing where I was applying for jobs and I had this demoralizing spreadsheet of like, no, 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 no. Mm. And then I thought, okay, for every three normal job I get um that I get a no from I'm gonna apply for one thing that I think I might not get or one thing abroad and see what happens mm. so off the back of that I did um I taught drama in South Africa for a month um with a charity called Dramatic Needs. so that was like sick and then whilst I was there I started writing because I had the space to it was just mm. me on a farm with minimal wi-fi <laughs> um and then yeah I applied for the Soho Writers Lab and that came off the back of a no as well. I was like, mm. all right, if I can't do this, let me let me see if I can do that. Wow! And when I got that cosign, I was like, well, All right, fine. <laughs> like, and it it was it was amazing because, again, I, I was explaining to to Jane earlier. It's it's a big group, so you do have that comfort of anonymity. Like I I I wouldn't want that now because I kind of know what I want from mm. theatre, so I'd need more direct communication, I Mm. need that level of attention. (laughs) But I I liked being able to kind of sink into a room and like perk up when I wanted to and Mm. having that support as well. Like I worked with Sarah Dickinson and like Mm. she had the best, most loving approach to, Mm. I'm guessing everybody's work because she's just a lovely lady. But (laughs) like... Yeah. Even the seeds of ideas. She had a way of honoring you wherever you were at in the process. Mm. Like, OK, cool. This is what you've created. Great. How do we refine this idea? I'm mm. guessing you want to do this. Is this what you want to do? How mm. do we get you there? And yeah, it made me realize that people aren't just there to rip stuff to shreds and say it's yeah. shit. Do you know, what I mean, they want you to. They There are great people who believe in your stories and want to push you to get where you want to go. Yeah. I feel um, like.
0: Dramaturgs are like unsung heroes. They're of amazing, man. They are.
1: They are my everything. Yeah. I like when
0: I, as soon as I started writing. I discovered them. I'm like everyone needs to shout about dramaturgs. Yeah, like, and, and the, the best. people that
1: have dramaturgical eyes that aren't necessarily dramaturgs yeah, as well. There yeah. are so many people Directors. with that. Like, exactly yeah. that just have that way of like keeping you on point and just like sharpening mm. the narrative that you're trying to trying to portray. Because it's so
0: hard. It's like both encouraging someone when they're they're most vulnerable, mm-hmm. but also like directing them and and like adjusting and and just trying to like hone exactly what they want. It's such mm-hmm. an un, like unselfish role. And yeah,
1: like. it's like helping people to best serve their vision.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And to to make sure that their world is as authentic and lovely and just yeah. No, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I think they're amazing.
0: Yeah. Great. Um, I just want to say, um, just now you sh- uh, mentioned Jane. Just for the, our listeners, Jane is our producer. Um, so <laughs> um, That's who Yasmin was referencing. Um, cool. So you're doing Soho Writers Lab. And then how long is that? How long does that run for?
1: Uh, I can't remember, you know. Mm. I feel like it was, I was saying it's probably the best part of a year. Yeah, like nine and months. Then, yeah. And then at the same time of doing, as doing Soho Writers Lab, I was doing the resident assistant producing scheme at Theatre Five Hundred Three, ah. which was sick. Um, but again, it was a part of that process because, like I said, whilst I was on Soho Writers Lab, there were a solid sixty of us, so mm. I could just like sink back. And, <laughs> like, and when I was at Theatre Five Hundred Three, I didn't tell anyone I was a writer until my last day. And Steve, the literary manager, was like, what is your problem? Like, <laughs> why have you done that?" Um, but it was it was a night. It was amazing because it's just yeah. There's it's the home of new writing in mm. this, in this country. So like just all the reading I got to do mm. all of the rooms I got to be in, it was just, it was invaluable. Mm. But then I think off the back of that, it was so nice to come back in as a writer mm. when I came back and did the five, what three was the five. gap like how long? So the gap was after I finished the five or three, five residency, I did an internship at New York at mm. the New York theater workshop. So I did, I was their engagement intern and it was basically just like outreach, um like all of their kind of audience development post-show stuff. So you
0: moved to New York?
1: Yeah I moved to New York. <laughs> you know you're like let's just look,
0: take a little pause that's quite that's quite big like I went to New York yeah. a whole New York I moved how to long? A whole
1: New York for the just under a year wow. actually yeah.
0: And no. yeah so you were working. It was real. Yeah <laughs> it was real. <laughs> real. Um, how no. so?
1: Just in so many ways in that like Everyone tells you that New York is just like London. It is not. No, just No, like I always London. think of it as new, like London on crack. Literally, That's how I'm I think just about of it. to say it's, it's London just on Big bridge. and like, it's like a mad. lot. Yeah, it's, it's it's very intense. And do you know, it's it's one of those places that it incites such visceral reactions mm. from you. Like it's a tough city. Yeah. And I remember when I first moved there, my aunt called me and she was like, "Do you know one thing about New York? Is it will make you grow up fast." Mm. And I was like, oh, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, man. I know." It bruv, like <laughs> no truer <laughs> words were spoken. Like it is, it is real. Yeah. But that aside, New York Theatre Workshop was just incredible because mm. I don't know. They just had this wacky approach to theatre. They're like, all right, cool. What is a play? What is mm. theatre? What can it do? Let's blow that up. And if like, you
0: were to compare like New, Year- New York Theatre Workshop to like a similar institution in London, like what what is it kind of like uh, to people who don't know? Someone else
1: asked me this question. I uh, I would. It's, it's got like this young Vickish vibe about okay. it in that it has work that's considered groundbreaking, yeah. but also that kind of glossy sort of right. commercial quality yeah, to yeah. it where it's cool. like a high production value and all of that jazz.
0: Nice. <laughs> that's super clear.
1: Yeah. Um, but then equally, some of the stuff they program, it's like they take risks mm. in ways that I don't see a lot of theatres here do. Mm. Maybe that's not so fair, but yeah, I, I don't know. For who I understand their audience to be, mm. they program plays knowing that their core audience will hate it.
0: Wow. And I'm
1: like, okay, that's gutsy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that that's an interesting, that was a really interesting time. And they had this thing as well where they um do This thing called Mondays at Three, so it was like a series of, mon- uh, of readings they do like every week. A new play, mm-hmm. and then they do the Liz Lerman critical response proce- um, process, which is basically they unpack the play in this using this methodology. What is the methodology? Oh god, I'm the worst person to uh, mm. so basically it's like a three they use three steps of the process. So I think Liz Lerman was a choreographer, mm-hmm. but this is a process that can be applied to, to new writing. Wow, and then the first, the first. I think basically the way it is is what it's meant to do is hold the writer in a space where they can receive information and feedback on on what and what an audience has just heard at a reading mm. in a way that isn't just all about me 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 my opinion I didn't like the end right in a way that's like the writer has control over what information they receive mm. and it's all very objective and they can take what what is of value to them and leave behind what isn't that sounds so nice think, yeah no it's really good <laughs> and like I tried to gently like it definitely is informed how if someone's like what do you think of this or Mm. or if I if I have any control about how I receive notes I try to tell them that this is this helps me yeah um so basically I think you start off with a statement of meaning Mm -hmm. so if this play was to change dramatically tomorrow what would need to stay what did you love so much and what was like so and that's really good because you can watch something that you don't enjoy necessarily, but you're forced to find something positive and then yeah. it just changes how you then approach the play for the rest of the conversation. And then I think the next step, god well, it's a bit rough at the moment in my mind. Um, the next step, you can ask questions about the play. I think the writer asks questions, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Either way, and then there's a bit where the, the audience are invited to ask questions about the play mm-hmm. and you have to shape the questions in a way, not like, why did you wear that ugly green hat? <laughs> has to be... Um, <laughs> Talk to me about the the use of green. Oh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the writer can either choose to answer or leave it mm, alone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, doing that every week for the best part of a year yeah. with new work just, like, got me thinking in so many different ways. It made me want to write so yeah. much. I, was, I actually didn't do much writing in New York, but as soon as I touched down, I applied for the 5035 presidency. And then, I've been talking for years. I mean, that is what you would feel because it's a <laughs> podcast and that's the
0: point. <laughs> What? Okay, so with the Theatre 5035, I don't know anything about it. Can you tell us like what 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 it's like and how long it runs, like everything? yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so 5035 is um a writing residency at Theatre 503. Mm. They have five resident writers. 5035. Mm. Um, <laughs> basically what you have to do at the beginning of the process is like they get a bunch of they have this call out where everybody can submit like I think a pitch for an idea that you want to write mm-hmm. during your tenure there. And they get inundated by, like, I think they had like 500 people our wow. cycle, probably the same amount this cycle as well. Um, and yeah, so you give them the pitch, you give them samples of your writing. And what I really like is that they're very ideas, Like, well, they like the quality of your writing, it, the quality of your writing is important, but they're like, okay, cool. You might haven't necessarily you don't necessarily have to have had loads of plays on or mm. lots of experience if they like your voice and they like what you want to say in your time with them, then they'll give you the support to get where you need to go mm. and I was worried that like um, yeah, I would be the least experienced writer on that, but they don't give a shit about that they're mm. like, cool, we like the idea of your play, so you pitch the play and then they give you development support over the course of 18 months.
0: 18 months, that's 18 long, Which that's is great. nice, it's really five nice. Five people for 18 months is Five people quite for amazing. 18 months, it will come to your
1: house. Yeah, because
0: like. <laughs> with what you were saying about Soho, right, it's like being great for you at the time when you kind of needed yeah. that anonymity and there being sort of loads of people. Mm. But then to go from that to five people and that kind of focus for 18 months, that yeah. sounds great. And you're held, like, mm. in a
1: way that, I think Lisa Sperling, the artist director, who is just an all-round legend, mm um Big But she's yeah, she's the best woman. <laughs> but like at the beginning of the process, she makes it very clear. She's like, we're here to support you, but we're not here to hold your hands. So mm-hmm. like, we're here if you want someone to sample ideas, if you want someone to critique your work, push you, in, like open doors for you, get you in rooms with certain people. But yeah, this isn't this isn't like coming to mummy and daddy. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and she spotted really early on that my stumbling block or the, my barrier was. Not necessarily always having the confidence to take my writing into rooms where they are going to, where it's going to be heard or where mm. it's going to be performed by actors. I was really content with writing things and sharing sharing them with people internally and getting feedback. But mm. the moment it was like, right, let's get on its feet. Let's no, no <gasps> I don't do that. Why don't you do that. <laughs> get away from me. Which is stupid because that's what theatre is. You have mm. to have it with an audience. So yeah, in the first week, she made me. Um, she made me mm-hmm. do a short play as part of their rapid write response, and then that's how I met. Rebecca, who's my director for Juve, and we mm. did a, a short play there, which was which was a proper little labor of love. Like, it's one of my favorite pieces of work. Mm. So yeah. What was that about, that piece? So it was called Do You Pray? Mm-hmm. And it was with Nicole Sawyer and Michelle Greenidge. And it was basically about, uh, it's hard to, there's a girl, right? Mm. And she's raised by her really strict Christian gran. And, like, it's, it's set in any Caribbean grandma's house as soon as you could, like, that's when I knew, re-knew exactly what she was doing, when there was, like, a picture of Lady Di on the table and, like, <laughs> the crochet thing over the table, the crochet mm. cloth over the table. And this girl, she's a stripper, right? Mm. <laughs> and she's been ostracized from her family because of her line of work. Right. And she's just basically coming she's missed her grandma and her gran has missed her, mm. but it's about strained love in families and differing mm. perspectives of womanhood and what needs to be brought forward and what needs to be left behind. And yeah, they're just, re- they, yeah, no, it's, I, I I love it, man. And I think more than anything else, it's just, yeah, at the core of it, it's just those really difficult conversations you have with the people you love. Yeah. Where it's like, I love you, but I do not get you. Yeah. I don't understand you. Yeah. 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 Um, and I feel like I recaptured it really well. Like, so mm. many great things came off the back of that project. And I mm. think it was just because like, we all poured so much love into mm. it so it was yeah it was nice we did it 503 and then at, with little pieces of gold
0: i think it might be helpful for listeners just to explain a bit about rapid what rapid write response is mm-hmm. like um, cuz i know what it is but might, mm. some people might not know
1: rapid write response is um you go and watch a play so it's usually a full a uh, full length play at 503 mm. and then in the first week of previews writers are invited to come and watch it And then write a 10 minute response um, to what they've seen. So Mm. it it can draw from it in a way that's really clear or Mm. it can literally use one moment as a stimulus and completely blow it up and do something that is really far removed from what they've seen. And then within Theatre
0: 5035, is that how Juve sort of came to be?
1: Yeah. So Mm. I pitched Juve was the play that I pitched at the beginning and that's how I kind of got into the residency. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that you give them all of your right samples of right work you've done before, and then you say, This is what I want to write whilst I'm with you. Mm. And they were just really excited about a play taking place in Carnival. Mm. And like
0: Aren't yeah. we all? <laughs> yeah. As soon as I thought I was
1: like, get me in. <laughs> yeah, like what, what you can do with that. Um, and more than anything, they were like, How are you can do this? I was like, mm. I don't know. They're yeah. like, cool, oh, let's let's see. Um, so yeah. Um and then there was four other writers who were amazing, Ross Willis, yes. David Wolfie, which was fucking amazing. Yeah. Um Chris Hogg, Aisha Zia, Mahad Ali as well. Mm. So yeah, and what was interesting, we all had really different plays and yeah. ways of thinking, and but it was everybody had a really useful in, insight on, on each other's work. Yeah. We just got to know each other and our work so well. But outside of 503, like we had a little support network as well. Yeah,
0: I think that's so important because like the writers group at the Royal Court, I just found like it was so useful having somebody teach us and talk to us about Plays, and structures and stuff, but more than anything, it was so helpful having other writers to talk yeah. to. I and I think that's part of the reason why I've started the podcast because I just love talking to writers. Yeah. I feel like it's about like creating that support network and figure it can out be how really the people work. A yeah. process as well. Exactly. Another
1: thing that was useful as well as part of the residency I should have mentioned is that that we have different artists come in every month, so mm-hmm. we got to speak to some sick people. Like we had Alice Birch, mm. like um, John Britton.
0: Oh my god, Debbie, type of green. Um,
1: I'm not Tucker supposed green. to. I can't. Actually, sure, <laughs> I know, right? yeah, we <laughs> got not allowed. All of But hail. Like, yes, yeah, so many like sick people come in and talk to us about their work mm. in a really approachable and just like, yeah, cool. Ask me anything, even in mm. a stupid kind of way. Um, That's amazing. Which was really wicked.
0: And you talked about like you briefly mentioned your process. Like, obviously, yeah. it's just interesting speaking to people who are kind of at the beginning of their writing careers. Mm. Like, and I'm in a similar position. Mm-hmm. Like. Do you have words to describe like what your process is like like what yeah. how you write
1: it's so interesting because uh i feel like my process is really dictated by what i am writing mm. um so for instance juve was like listening to soca, mm. making sure that last time i went to carnival i was playing mass mm. like talking to all my friends that do the soca circuit all around the world and like mm. um yeah starting with that also Particularly with Juve, I I knew who the characters were before I really knew what the story mm. looked like. That's so so for a while they were just chatting, yeah. And then it's like, yeah, my feedback means they were like, yeah, lovely, has yeah, been great conversation here. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it going? <laughs> um, but I needed to get that out before I could get to that pace and then that, like find the structure and the spine that was going to take you through the story. Right. Um, but I've. Think what I've learned from Juve is that a big part of my process is getting a director in the room mm. um, because they just approach they approach writing with urgency because they mm. want it on its feet they mm. want to stage it like mm. and I think by the time we and Reese started working more closely through R&D through rehearsals like that was when the script just moved on like a lightning oh, so speech it Was drawing it from me like. you sort of wrote a
0: draft and then did you have an R&D like uh, period time research and development for people who yes. maybe need need no, to good. it good yeah, yeah
1: no because you can't be using wanky theatre albums <laughs> and like <laughs> um, yeah so no we did so yes I did I, mm. d- I wrote two drafts mm. Um, my first draft got trashed by <laughs> <He was> like... <laughs> I literally, like, after that meeting, I went and sat in a, the little Thai place across the road from Theatre 503. Those places, those people have seen me, like, go through the motions. I'm either going in there like, yeah, or I'm just sitting there in the corner crying into my pad thai, like, oh, so crying bad. Crying into your pad thai was just been like, what is this? And he like, it was just, it was weak. But, yeah, and then my next draft, better. Mm. Um, Lisa... Um, had re- led R&D and R&D like a couple of weeks of R&D it was, like a couple of half days split across a couple of weeks mm-hmm. at Aura um, Drama School cool and then so I did two rounds of that one round with Lisa mm-hmm. and Lisa's got a really really thorough process of just like interrogating every line and mm. it's like it was really useful mm. then we did another round with re-directing mm. um, um, leading the R&D hour as well for people who don't know, that's Rebecca um, Morrell. Rebecca Morrell. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think, but what I will say, I'll speak quite candidly about it. Like I had, it was, our was amazing. The students were amazing. But culturally, mm. um, yeah, you just you I hit a wall as mm. to what I could achieve in, in that RD yeah. And I think it was really useful actually because lots of the young people had never been to and lots of them, I'm calling them young people, they're not much, that much younger than me, but lots of them had never been to carnival mm. before. Um there was a predominantly white schools, a predominantly mm. white cohort that we were working with. So um it got me thinking about the level of knowledge that people will, will, will like, experience of kind of what the people will come into to the play with. I can't yeah. take for granted that you're going to know what this is. Yeah. So a lot of those sessions was back to basics. Oh, What does this mean? What's a wine? What's this? What's a What's but is wine? Not, but it was like, rah. Like, to me, that's a. Like, but then actually knowing that someone will walk into that play and ask that question. Yeah. And it got me thinking in a really useful way about... Yeah, what I can reconcile with, like, what do I need to explain to make sure it's universally accessible? Mm. And what do I not want to over explain? Because yeah. the people who know this will know it. And like, I'm not from Shakespeare's time or ends, mm. Do you know what I mean? But I understand human truth in it. So yeah. like, not everything needs to be fed to you. Yeah, yeah. So it was, that was a really useful process. And that's me. a really
0: interesting point, like mentioning Shakespeare. It's like, not everybody coming to Shakespeare knows every single bit of lingo but actually lots of people do get it like mm. i mean it depends in on your theater going culture or whatever yeah but like that is so true of like figuring out what i need to explain and what actually i'm just going to take for granted that like if i if if i use it in the right context people will just get and like, if they don't get it, it
1: also being fine with that yeah because you will get something like not everything in a piece of work is always going to be is always going to be catered to your your experience or your mm. under or your yeah your knowledge or whatever else but you'll find something every place should have a heart or a gut or something mm. that everybody gets do you know what I mean yeah 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 um, but yeah because otherwise you get to that place where it's like buy you for someone else mm. and I'm like trying to feed you something when really I know who this play is I know yeah. who this play's for I know yeah. who it's for I want everyone to experience it mm. but I know the levels it plays on. Do you know mm. what I mean? And so, who
0: is it for then? Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, so yeah, after that our R&D, it was really useful in many ways, but I got to a point where I was like, actually, I need actors from like, mm. Caribbean background, black and background, black grounds here, it's You out. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Caribbean backgrounds, like avid carnival goers, people that just know this well, because that's what's going to take it to the next level. Yeah. I worked with my friend Tanya Chuku, who does like, I want my butcher in Tan's name on, on a big, big podcast. She's going to cast me. Um, but yeah, no, she's not from the Caribbean, but she's like a big carnival goer. We worked mm. with a number of different actors as well. And then, yeah, that was just really, really useful. Mm. And then I got notes from somebody who didn't like the play very much. Right. And that was transformative, actually, because mm. it hurt me. Um, but once I put that aside, I was like, rah, I'd actually rather you tell me that than The Guardian. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, <laughs> I don't agree with everything you said. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but yeah. So
0: that's so interesting, like talking about actors and like directors when you're talking about your writing. Mm. I'm interested, like even going like back, like mm. what do you write on? Like do you write on paper? Do you write on a laptop? Like a, remi- a mix of both?
1: I found just as the play was going up, a piece of like torn out from a magazine with like, what I thought was the first scene of Juve with like mm. different names, random characters that like, and I'd, I'd written it on the bus. Um, and I'm not very good at like catching ideas whilst I had them, so that um, I'm always losing shit. <laughs> like, oh my god, that was like meant to be my masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, gone <laughs> tissue. Like, so I'm trying to get better at carrying like notepads and whatever else. But um, yeah, so I, I have scraps. Like I try to, as something comes to me, I write things down, but. Ordinarily it's on my laptop. Like mm-hmm. I like to just put it straight in there. Mm. But that can be the most awful feeling when yeah. you start and you're just on your laptop and there's nothing there. And yeah. you're like, Oh <laughs> But once it starts flowing like it does. So yeah, laptop is usually for me. But I do write bits down and I do like to see things around. Mm. See so stick up up on your wall. Primarily because I find it hard to write mm. a lot, yeah. just in general. Um, and usually just guilts me into getting on it mm. so like I wake up and I'm like there's a post-it like fucking right you say you're all a writer, just do it and I'm oh like, mm. I mean that's it good it doesn't say that okay, good. Okay, <laughs> good, I'm good. Saying. I was gonna say like
0: you know positive <laughs> affirmations might be good too yeah,
1: it doesn't look, it's not like I'm waking up like you're used <laughs> no it's like little things that I I've written about what I'm writing okay and, cool, and then yeah. that's what it makes me feel it's like oh yeah oh, fine let me just do an hour yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That.
0: Also earlier you talked about like how you listen to soca music when you're writing juvet, like is mm. music also maybe a part of your process as well?
1: It is isn't. it isn't. Like, I'll listen to Soka and then I'm like, actually, my brain can't always do that many things at once. Mm. Like, I'm not that person that can, like, play music. I think I am. <laughs> like, when I start getting into my zone, I'm like, let me light a candle, put on some music, and mm. then I just start singing. And I'm like, all right, I need to turn that off. <laughs> so usually I play, like, this binaural ambient, like, uh. whoa, whoa. like, it's almost like fucking whale wow. noises. <laughs> um, but it helps me focus. Mm-hmm. And then I have these little apps. I think it's called Flora. Uh-huh. And it basically it doesn't let you do anything on your phone. Hmm. And like, yeah, you set a timer and then if you if you reach the time that you've set, it grows a flower. And if you oh, check, yeah. it kills your flower. And then it's just like, you've just killed a flower, Yasmin. Oh. I'm like, and then, it, yeah, I don't know. That does something to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have to set. I, I find it quite hard to focus yeah. in general. Like I find it really difficult. Yeah. And then when I get into that zone, then I don't have boundaries. Like mm. my process is not... I don't think my process is the healthiest. I'm really looking to refine that. I think that's also to do with just the demands of life. Like yeah. I still got my day job, yeah, which I love very much and care about, but that mm. sometimes makes it harder because I care about my day job. So yeah. I don't want to fuck it up. I'm giving that time, giving writing time. And then, yeah.
0: That's interesting. I'm going to come back to the day job mm. in, a, in a moment, but I'm interested. So like if, what does a working day look like then for you? Like if, mm. if it's kind of, if you're navigating against or like aside with your, day job like mm. can you sort of get up at like six and write till eight or what <laughs> I'd love to Reader. think I can. she shook her head <laughs> <laughs> like
1: absolutely not impossible I'd love to think I could do you know what I do that when I'm under a lot of pressure mm. and sadly like any semblance of a process or what my process should be comes when it's like my back is against the wall mm. people are emailing me like where is that shit <laughs> and it's not because I'm slack like I yeah. care about my work and I do I do work hard, but mm. it's sometimes just really hard to fit it all in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can. I'm someone that can really burn the candle from both ends. Like there was mm. a period of time during Juve when I had, especially um, run in the run up to rehearsals, I hadn't slept for like four days. <laughs> like I hadn't slept for like four days. Actually, I no sleep. Like like literally maybe a series of power naps. Like, and I I was someone was talking to me and it was like I was. Like literally got to the end of their sentence and I was like, You what, sorry? And I was like, Yeah, I need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm out. <laughs> this is a lot. Um, yeah, and I can go from just yeah, once I get productive, I actually go into these kind of productive rabbit holes mm. where I'm just like, I need to do the pay, I need to do the pay, I can't have a conversation with you, I need to write, I need to write. Right. And then it just but yeah, I'm not sleeping. I'm just like almost well, like a out. mania. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is it's like i'm running from it running from it running from it and then it's like yasmin i need you to do it and i'm like i can't run from this anymore and i'm just like Bleh. wow Okay, (laughs) and so that was
0: kind (laughs) of in the the run-up to rehearsals right Mm. that sort of mania time Mm. what was it like in rehearsals did it change did the play change much like what was your experience as a writer in the rehearsal process because I am like you know in January I'm gonna have one so it's always like yeah I just need to know like what it's like
1: do you know what ah so it's worth saying, disclaimer, like a part of why my process was so erratic, particularly mm. for this play, was because just this play had mental demands surrounding mm. it in that we yeah. had a really quick f- um, funding turnarounds, we had a really quick turnaround in general, mm-hmm. and just the whole process... You know, if I had this luxurious, oh, this is being programmed in 2020, Mm. it wouldn't be like that. But actually, we were killing ourselves (laughs) because it it, the situation kind of required that in a sense. It it shouldn't, but it it did. We had to just condense a lot of stuff that needed to be done into a couple of months. Mm. And I was quite actively involved in areas of the play that weren't just writing, Mm. which meant that, yeah, by the time... We're all in a room, and it's like actually right, yeah. So we'll see that draft tomorrow, and I'm like, oh fuck, I'm the <laughs> only one who can do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been um, here in this production meeting, like, yeah, exactly, with my hand in exactly. this. Exactly,
1: um, but yes, yeah, so that's a lesson learned. Uh, but yeah, during the rehearsal process, I don't know if you rehearsal process it should it can be really fun. Mm it can also leave you feeling a bit exposed because mm. by the time you get to the rehearsal process, everyone's got an opinion. Do you know mm. what I mean? And so they should, yeah. because
0: they've got to do it. You know
1: what I mean? And you want, it's not just about your vision anymore. It's about people putting their own, their own stamp on it. And yeah. like and their
0: own bodies in it. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And which is why you have to be open and collaborative and sometimes like drop your ego a little mm. bit and just like soak it. But then you also have to, I would urge any writer, particularly in their first play, like, know why you did your play Mm. know why you made the decisions you did and don't feel pressure to make decisions in the moment and answer people like Mm. you can go away and sit with things I think like sometimes I was so conscious of like oh there's a room there's a room and I'd be like yes 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 and it's like actually Mm. do I do I believe in that like Mm. sometimes if six people are saying one thing that doesn't mean you are wrong yeah (laughs) that doesn't mean you're wrong it just sometimes mean that means that there's an idea that you haven't articulated in the best way, so it can be clear enough for them to see it in the way that you do, yeah. and it's about having that conversation too. It's like not losing your voice in the rehearsal room is a mm. very hard thing to do. Do you think of yourself as
0: an extrovert or an introvert?
1: Outwardly, I would. I'm. Pro- I probably project, project extrovert energy. Yeah, but I have introvert tendencies.
0: Mm-mm. I feel like everybody's a mix. But yeah. I I've asked the question because I, I think yeah. it's really interesting. Like theater and reho- rehearsal process is like kind of as a writer. Like if you're a novelist, you're all by yourself. Like you, you can just do it all by yourself. Mm. Whereas like as a playwright, you're having to have written something by yourself and then come to a room room. and have to negotiate loads. And so and that's
1: hard. Yeah. And sometimes it's actually even for me harder because people see me as quite assertive and Mm. like so. They don't realize what it takes for me to sometimes a certain. I still feel unsure, mm. and like even if my energy seems like I know what I'm talking about, mm. it still takes a lot for me to sometimes speak up in those in those spaces. But ultimately, the thing that kept on coming back to me was, if something like, win or fail, this this is my play. Mm. You know what I mean. And what I don't want is for something to go up, and I don't like it, mm. or it didn't work. Mm. And it's because I made a concession. I'd yes. rather be wrong yeah. and it be on me and it yeah. was my decision yeah. than me just like kind of just go with the flow and then yeah. see something and be like, oh, you know what I mean? Mm. So you have to you have to stick to your guns, but you also have to be aware that like you have employed and gathered mm. really talented people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, you,
0: yeah. And that you balance. don't know
1: everything. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So you have to, and then you reach a point as well, when you actors as well, if you are working with, talented, insightful actors. They're mm. gonna have questions about your characters. They're gonna have questions <laughs> about the character's backstory and would they do this and would they do that? And there's gotta be room for that because they, they are embodying these actors. Yeah. They are becoming them. And if they ask you questions that kind of rock the core of what you understood, it's yeah. like, well, actually I might need to change that. Yeah.
0: I remember yeah. actually, Re like um, she was in the rehearsal reading of the High Table, mm. and um, she was like, "Okay, so is this character a lawyer? Like, is she a lawyer?" And I was like, "Uh," <laughs> <laughs> like when you yeah. fully don't know the answer, we <laughs> will
1: ask you the question. <laughs> you yeah, have. you're like, "Uh, it yeah, so yeah, important. I guess she is." yeah like. no, yeah, those questions, Ree's questions kept me very sharp. Yeah, but I, but again, equally, you reach a point as well where. That can also be the actor's decision. you can make that mm. decision sometimes these are things that the audience doesn't need to know, but yeah. and it might not necessarily Helps. make sense in the version of the play I've written, yeah, but if that creates a clearer journey for you, then yeah, take that. maybe yeah. she did go to to um i don't know yeah maybe, yeah, you know what I mean maybe she did have toast on the fifth of May, yeah, like, <laughs> you know people could be really specific, yeah. but then you do reach a I reached a point in the process where actually. I needed to put a lid Mm. on it. And that's not because I didn't welcome anybody's opinions Mm. or anything. It was just because we had a three week rehearsal period, which is just like, that's that's nothing. And actually we could talk all day, Mm. but this is the play. There's there's so many versions of the play. There's the four week rehearsal version of the play. And and then there comes a point where we need to just see what the play is and find that and refine it. Mm. Um, So yeah, it was like no diss to anyone, but it was like cool. Like... Mm. You reach your point as so well. Also just having that that nice little safety net where you're like, all right, could you pass notes over to Ree? And mm. then Ree would we'll give them to because yeah. you don't want to be in a room and it's like ah. Bombarded, yeah.
0: And so when it came to the performance like element, like when it started being performed, like what was that like for you as a writer? Oh,
1: that was so bittersweet. Cause mm. um no, it was sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> but it was it was hard because we had a very tricky rehearsal process, mm. a very tricky rehearsal process due to circumstances way beyond our control. Mm, like illness yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, just stuff happening. Like we had two amazing lead actors who had to pull out. For what, their both? both? Whoa. Both leads Um, before the, I don't know if I should have said that, but it's fine. Anyway, it's, yeah. not, it's not a secret. No, yeah. Um, yeah, before, a week before opening. <sighs> so we employed two bloody Trojans. Badness. Like when I tell you, like, I Want a statue erected of these, <laughs> three of them as yeah. well because Anise, um, so Wail, she's she's an incredible actor, yeah. But like, a, as a person, like, mm. I don't know, just looking at my, my creative thinking about it just makes me because mm. they just held us down in the realest way. Like, yeah. people when it was like, are we even gonna have a play at this mm. point? Like, people were there because they cared about the play and they they were like, right, this is going to happen. That's amazing. Like Lisa dragged us over the finish line. Mm. Like she was with us in that rehearsal room and it was all spiraling. Mm. So it was really tricky. By the time we got the new actors on board, um, previews is a period of time where writers usually get to refine and mm. tweak and I just didn't have that because mm. it wasn't fair on the actors who've only had yeah. a week with the text to right. be like switching scenes and all of that yeah, shit. Yeah, so you yeah. just have to kind of go with it. So I think, previews for me was yeah bittersweet in that there were t- things I wanted to change yeah. I was like oh god I wish I could tweak that but and it's not you, fair and for you when
0: you're going to publish it as well like that must have been so Whoa, difficult that was like, so annoying it's not just this what the audience will see it's what yeah. will stand as a testament yeah, to other people yeah I'm
1: so excited we're going to do a reprint the, oh the, great yeah because the version I've got out which is sold really well which mm. is also like <laughs> like it's just it's not the version that was on. Um, yeah. but but it, it's still cool, and I'm, I'm like super excited that people have read it point blank. Mm. But yeah, but the sweet thing was actually learning that I'd wrote something that was robust, like it yeah. stood. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like not only had I written something, but I'd I'd I affirmed that my director was the right director for like yeah. it just meant that even if everything else went to shit, the lights were off, whatever else people heard the words, they laughed, they felt mm. it. And it was like, okay, cool. It mm. wasn't the easiest process, but it, it sustained all of the external stuff that yeah. happened. And so you talked a bit
0: earlier about your day job. Like mm. what is that? And like, how, how do you make a life? Cause you know, yeah. people look at you and they're like, wow, Yasma Joseph smashed it with that play. Mm. And I feel like, what often happens is people perceive that they must just be a playwright, like for a
1: living. Yeah. no guys, listen, we're all still broke. Um, <laughs> I am a producer for an arts charity, mm. and it's wicked because, like, I love what I do. Um, I have recently made the transition. So I used to work in and um, at the Unicorn Theatre, and yeah, um, I moved to this job because there's just a lot more flexibility. Like, I get to work from home a lot. I go out mm. to different. Um, like projects and go and visit them so I'm always running around and my brain actually functions a lot better like that when I'm Mm. not just sat in one place um but the biggest incentive for moving to this job is a four-day week right so in theory it's like my fourth my fifth day is my writing day
0: right does it happen
1: (laughs) it's hard Mm. (laughs) sometimes yeah um or that day just becomes like meetings um which is also good but it's not writing yeah I mean and then Yeah, but I mean, it's easier than a five-day week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And it's then part of the gradual transition of making writing my... Mm. But it's it's a juggling act because, yeah, again, if it was a job that I didn't care about and I was Mm. just going in and kind of like punching numbers and going home, then it would make life a lot easier. Yeah. But if I slack on my day job, then a project for children who really need mm. it messes up and I can't do that. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's,
0: but it's so interesting what you you just said about how it kind of complements what you do as well. Like Because yeah. I think often you think about a day job taking from your writing or taking yeah. from your other creative project but for it to like work alongside it and for you to be passionate about it as well Mm. is a really great thing
1: yeah no i I do feel like that and i think what's really nice as well i'm really enjoying now that i'm in a different stage of my writing not working in a theater anymore Mm. um having that clear separation when i walk walk into a building yeah and also having that clear separation in my brain as well Mm -hmm. like okay this is Because it starts to suck the life out of it for you a little. It did for me anyway. Because you need
0: like life in order to give life to your plays. Whereas if you're working in theatre all the time. Yeah. And
1: you're pouring yourself into other people's work in a way that you really care. But then you find you have creatively. I had very little left for myself. Mm. So yeah, I'm enjoying that.
0: Amazing. And so, I mean, obviously Juve was like such a success. Like it was so hard to get a ticket. I'm so glad I did. Mm -hmm. Like, But I'm wondering, like, what success looks like for you. It's kind of a funny word. But, like, if you were to imagine yourself in five years' time, ten years' time, like, what would success look like for you?
1: Okay. Very good question. I think definitely the play taught me a lot about how I measure success. Mm. Particularly, like, reviews and all of that. That's Mm. a really weird process. And, like... I don't know, going from, I don't care what you say, to being like, oh my God, please love me. Mm. It's just like, yeah. But I think the ultimate success was, for me, being in audiences comprised nearly solely of black Caribbean people Mm. shouting back to the songs, finishing (laughs) the lines, coming out afterwards and telling me, I've never seen my flag on stage before. I've never seen this, I've never seen that. That was success. Like I made Mm. a lot of people happy Mm. or feel seen and like, Yeah, I think for me, success in the next five years would be making money from what I'm doing, mm. living more comfortably than I'm living now, <laughs> but being able to do that, telling stories that I actually give a shit about yeah. and that other people care about and uh, sharp, funny, human ways of digesting this absolutely mental world <laughs> that we're living in. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm really, really keen to make sure that my work has a legacy that's bigger than me mm. and that if the powers that be, God forbid, decide they want to stop carnival and put it <laughs> in a dome or in a, under it, like a big gazebo in the next mm. five years, they'll be able to look at my play and mm. be like, Oh, that happened. Yeah. This is what it was like in 2017. Do you wow, know what I mean? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So that's that's where I'm at. I really the sort believe... of
0: integrity of your legacy, I guess.
1: Yeah. I wanna and I'm sure there'll be the day when like, oh god, I've got a couple of bills to pay and someone's like, Do you wanna write this shitty TV show? Like, yeah, fuck it. As <laughs> okay, long like, cool, cool, yeah. as I'm like the last build and no one knows how <laughs> <it all. laughs> But ultimately, yeah, I want the, the core of of my work to be like, Okay, she has stuff to say mm. and um she has stuff to say about stuff that matters.
0: My final question, mm. which is like kind of broad and open-ended but I'm interested in like what inspires you and like what you're excited about doing in the future like what you're Mm. excited about making
1: I am infinitely inspired by my family and the people around me Mm. like I always say that I come from a family of storytellers like it's just a very Caribbean thing that like I would say, like, my mum walks down the road and she comes back and tells you about her journey. She's Uh going to tell you about the weather. She's going to do the accent of the person that served her. (laughs) She's going to hype up how she acted when the person didn't give her the right change. Like, that's just... And it's just a big part of of where I'm from Mm. and how we pass stories down and stuff like that. So I find that, like, I spend a lot of time listening. Mm. My friends are raucous, (laughs) like wild disrespectful amazing ambitious like i'm surrounded by people who are just full of life full of experiences so i just soak in wherever i go mm. um so yeah travel people and i don't know those are the main things that like kind of they, they give me life like mm. i find that sometimes if i'm locked away writing for too long and i'm not living then i have mm. nothing to write about
0: so That's it's really beautiful. good to
1: put my shit like just close my laptop and just like get on with it for a fortnight and not feel bad and just yeah. like live my life and then i'll come back and i'm like oh, That happens and it informs what you do.
0: But that's so magic to say, like, if someone's like, what inspires you? And your answer is life, people, Mm. like the people that you love. Like, that's a really amazing.
1: Feels a bit wishy washy, but like, it's genuine. Yeah, it's true and real. Yeah. And I can't remember the other part of your question you asked.
0: Basically, like, what you're excited about writing Uh, in the future. What I'm
1: excited about writing in the future. I'm excited about uh, doing some screen stuff at some point. Mm. I'd love to see what that's like. But I think ultimately, um, yeah, the core of what I want to do right now is just like theater, man. Like <laughs> something about how we all gather in that space, like mm. having been able to, in a really noisy world, retain everybody's attention for mm. just an hour and make them think about something in different ways even if they all walk out and and hate it it's like Mm. that shared human experience i'm just excited about what what we can do with that in a world that's becoming like more and more fragmented yeah and disconnected and telling stories that investigating the notion of like british stories like what Mm. is a british story who gets to tell them what even is britain come october 31st do you know what i mean um yeah because like Duvet is a very Caribbean story, but it's also specifically about black British Caribbean women and Notting Hill Carnival, like the Mm. legacy of Carnival around the world, but like what it means to occupy those streets in that way every year. Mm. Um, So yeah, those are the the stories that are like in my chest at the moment, but I'm sure it will change.
0: I cannot wait to see them.
1: Thank you. And I can't wait to see your play. Oh, thank you. It's going to be amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Making It. If you'd like to hear more, make sure to subscribe and leave us a cheeky five-star review. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Wilkie Way, and you can book to see my debut play, The High Table, which will be on at the Bush Theatre in Shepherds Bush from February the 8th. Making It is produced by Jane Ryan, edited and scored by Casra Feruzia, photography by Jess Ravel, artwork by Theo Banner, and hosted by me, Temmie Wilkie. The podcast is supported by the Bush Theatre and London Playwrights, and is a proud member of the One Fine Play Network.